there's so many stairs. Oh, gotta get up there quick. Oh my god. Oh, master, master, I have bad news. Oh, news, huh? What is it, my student? The evil warrior has come to take over the Valley of Peace. We're all in danger. Oh. He's on his way. What do we do? Oh, don't be afraid, my student. For you see, it is as calamitous as the leaf and the branch falling from the tree into the running river, only to be snagged upon the stone that juts from its surface. But what if the leaf and branch become stuck upon the stone? Won't they drown? Ah, they will sink below the surface, only to be caught by the curious fish, which will carry it downstream until eventually falling off where the water meets cliff. <laughs> oh, oh no, we took too long, he's here. I have arrived to challenge your dragon warrior, but surely none of you are they. Well, so, Master, is he the hawk or the fish or the branch? I'm confused. Huh? Oh, well, clearly he is the cloud that the hawk dances upon, my student. I'm not oh, a cloud. I, I am the storm come to rain terror down upon you pathetic fools. But then the storm also nourishes the land. It's true. The storm brings the rain, which provides the crops. Wait, what? No, I'm I'm here to, to beat you guys up. Ah, but no matter how the storm rages, the mountain does not break before it. Wait, am I the storm or the mountain? I'm confused. I think I need to take a break to think about all of this. You know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go beat up another village. Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel, here with my anthropomorphic co-hosts. I'm Chelsea Hollowell, a fox who just wants to make origami art for people's enjoyment. I don't just make paper cranes, though. Uh, I was just about to ask. <laughs> oh, I, I only want a paper crane, though. Well, I can do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And uh, who am I? Me? Well. I'm a uh, I'm a rhinoceros guard in a prison. Yeah, there's ten thousand of us. Did you know that? But what's your name? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there are so many of us that you know. Sometimes it's easy to forget. But uh, oh yeah, it's Jack. Jack Olander is oh, my right, name. Oh right, right. But I'm, you just uh, go by guard number thirty-one sixty-two. Right? That's right. That's right. We uh wear. The 10,000 guards in a prison with uh, one prisoner. Yeah. That is a terrible ratio. You know, it I... It seems like bad planning. And uh, we're up in the mountains as well. I don't know where we get the food for such a force or, uh, you know, anything like that. Or uh, not sure who pays us per se, but, uh, you know, I'm just a guard. Yeah. <laughs> it's above your pay grade. Mm-hmm. Never seen the prisoner either. Interesting. It's a strange yeah. system you have going there. You sure he's still there? Oh, uh, I, I hear rumors. You know. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like somebody might be paying you just to hang out with your friends. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of paying people to hang out with their friends, guys, I want to give a shout out to our wonderful patrons who help fund this show. They're awesome. You've fallen right into our trap, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way to get out of that trap is to head to patreon.com slash swords and satire 
sign up for one of our awesome tiers and get a bunch of bonus episodes, exclusive art, and all kinds of awesome stuff. You know, there's one more cool thing. You can also vote on the movies we watch each month. So that's another cool perk. What could be better than that? And you'd be helping to support the show, which is awesome. Once you fall into the satire hole, there's no coming out. (laughs) That sounds vaguely threatening, but all right. So guys, let's talk about a movie that's not traumatizing, because this week we're going to be talking about Kung Fu Panda. So, Kung Fu Panda is a 2008 film starring Jack Black, Dustin Hoffman, and Angelina Jolie. And others. And it features swords and satire favorite Ian McShane as the villain Tai Lung. But he's the hero of our hearts. Always. <laughs> he was the one true dragon warrior. He just didn't believe in himself enough. But hey, I've got a ton to say about this movie, but first, I think we should probably do a little summary to remind our listeners what this thing's all about. So there's a peaceful valley that's under threat of being conquered by a legendary warrior named Tai Lung. And Master Ugwe of the Jade Palace Temple is going to name a dragon warrior who will defend everyone and defeats this villainous warrior. Now, Chelsea, I think it might be an important note to make sure that we state what type of animal every character is. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we want to just list names like that. It'd be very biblical. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. But Poe, the panda... Ah, the titular Kung Fu panda. Yes. Is... Named Dragon Warrior, he thinks by accident, but Master Ugwe assures him there are no accidents. Not even when he makes a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's just covering his ass. He doesn't want to lose his job as um, Kung Fu Master of the Temple, I guess? The um, inventor of Kung Fu. So, Master Shifu doesn't want to train Po because he wants one of his warriors he's been training for years to be named the Dragon Warrior. Yeah, he would much rather just fat shame Poe mercilessly throughout the entire movie. Yeah, that was difficult. <laughs> to be fair, everyone does it. Oh, God. <laughs> that doesn't make it better. Except for Ugwe. And, you know, Master Shifu, his Fab Five. <laughs> <laughs> Furiously fabulous, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fab Five is one of my favorite Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> <laughs> so the Fab Five in this movie are Mantis, Tigress, Crane, Snake, and Monkey. And what animals are those? Same. Their their names are their types. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Master Shifu. <laughs> what if? What if they all had those names, but each one was not the type of animal they correspond to (laughs) because they used a different kung fu style? Oh, my God. Like if Viper fought with tiger style and tigers fought with crane style. Yep. That'd be awesome. Master Ugwe, the wise turtle, (laughs) or tortoise, tells Poe that he needs to believe in himself, basically. Oh, that's nice. And so... Poe works hard at learning to be a warrior, um, but is having a lot of trouble finding his groove and how he fits in. Does he need to get his groove back? That's a different movie. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Master Shifu isn't pulling any punches. No, he's a dick. That's true. (laughs) He tells it like it is, which means he's kind of an ass. Um, and he's played by Dustin Hoffman, so it fits. Ooh, mm. ouch. Master Shifu figures out the way to unlock Poe's p- true potential as a warrior is through his stomach. <laughs> and trains him in a powerful montage session. And he can only eat if he can defeat Master Shifu. Look, I didn't write this, people. <laughs> it's weaponized fat shaming. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. We're going to call it like we see it. And then uh, Poe figures out that by following his dreams and believing in himself, he can actually become the Dragon Warrior because what's on the scroll? 
Nothing. Nothing? Nothing? Tra-la-la? Except your own reflection. You were the dragon warrior all along. Oh, it's like a black mirror thing. Like, we're re- it's reflecting back on us ourselves. Yes. I don't think scrolls do that. And once Poe truly believes in himself, he unlocks the power of the universe. And he can fight against Tai Lung and do the magic. What is the magic? The Wuxi finger hold. Yeah. And he just basically turns Tai Lung into golden dust when after their fight. <laughs> Yo, that was brutal. I know. He just, yeah, I mean, he dusted him. And everybody in the valley breathes in Tai Lung. And so he <sighs> he's not really gone because he exists in us all now. Oh, that's a nice metaphor for cremation, I guess. Yeah. And by the way, Tai Lung is a snow leopard. Pretty cool. I kind of wish Tai Lung was the hero because he's a big cat and I love cats. I feel like- Not 2019. He could easily be an anti-hero. I mean, he's my anti-hero. He's sympathetic. Yeah, he's you got can the, feel for him. He's yeah. got the tragic backstory, which we can get into. He's played by Ian McShane. I instantly want to like him. Yes. But yeah, then Poe realizes his true potential as a the dragon warrior. Oh, how touching. <laughs> On that note, we should probably head into the delve. Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Kung Fu Panda. So, Jack, you picked this movie. Why don't you start it off? All right. Let's address the elephant in the room. I don't remember the elephant in this movie. You're right. Let's address the fat shaming in the room. (laughs) Okay. So, basically, from the very first scene... We start getting it, right? When it just immediately. Immediately after the dream sequence, which is the intro to the film, we start getting it, right? Yeah. He's big, he's wiggly, he's not very good at anything athletic. He doesn't fit anywhere. He's an amazing cook though. He's a great cook. Yeah. He works in a noodle shop. I was pretty excited about the noodle uh, aspect because I love noodles and I this movie really made me want to eat noodles. Nice. Yeah, me too. Or nudes, as I like to call them. Yes. Garlic nudes. Ooh, love them. So his family is in the nude business. That's right. <laughs> this is a kid's movie, right? Yes. So he's a, he's a big guy that works in the food industry and he wants to be a kung fu legend and it's haha so funny. He's fat. He can't fight. Yeah, he's, um, I would say he's kind of, as a character, a Jack Black type. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's troubling how accurate that is. <laughs> it's, like, it's a Jack Black character, for sure. But from the beginning of the film, all the way through the final fight scene, people are constantly just referring to his size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, we're, that's juxtaposed with the message that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, which we get mainly through Master Oogway. Yeah. Yeah, I think Oogway kind of provides us, like, the ideal perspective for the film. But this movie falls into a trap, I think, that we have talked about in past episodes. And shout out to our good friend Casey Cannon, friend of the show and repeat guest. The movie wants you to leave with the message that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but it spends 95% of the runtime judging a book by its cover. Yeah. So the message at the end feels a little hollow when the lead up has just been, oh, look at this large jelly belly character. Also in the final fight when he is self-actualized as the dragon warrior, his fighting style is very silly, which is fine. It's a kid's movie, but it's also predicated on his like size, you know? However, I thought that could be kind of cool because it's like an empowerment thing, right? I agree. I I see that. I think it's more complicated than just saying, oh, fat shaming, therefore bad. Like, the the end message is more positive, for sure. Definitely. And I actually like the emphasis on food as a 
like motivator. I mm. think that was an inter. Or I, I think that there is potential for interesting stuff there. Yeah. I think that the movie could have just done that without, you know, just just emphasize the fact that he's untrained. Maybe he's clumsy or whatever. Like, we don't need to just constantly be going back to the same well. You know, if they wanted to show, like, how somebody might make a mistake and judge him for his appearance, they could show that and then have one of the masters shame them. <laughs> Not really shame point them. Out I, their I don't really mean error that. Of their ways. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. But um have yeah, just kind of point out the error of their ways and say, you know, a warrior doesn't judge others by their appearance. They judge them on their actions. Right. You know? Now here's the thing about it though, right? Yeah. We know that Poe is very sweet and enthusiastic. Absolutely. He's a dreamer, and he's willing to put the hard work into becoming good, right? Lovely character. He also is comfortable being in service to others. It's true. Mm -hmm. He's very hopeful, and he believes in the wisdom and skill of his heroes, right? Yeah. Yeah. He looks up to the Furious Five. He's a total stan. Yeah. He has action figures of the Furious Five in his bedroom. Yeah. And... We see that his heroes are all jerks to him. <laughs> right? Well, Tigress is a jerk to him. The others kind of like follow along to some extent, but Crane, played by David Cross, I feel like is pretty nice to him from the beginning. No. 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 Okay. They're all rude <laughs> to him except for after he makes them noodles. Okay. And then Tigress is still kind of rude to him after that, but everybody else is kind of like, oh, you're a cool guy. (laughs) Yeah, some of them sort of sympathize with him after he gets hurt a few times and they warm up to him a little bit. But they're not really like friends until they see, oh, he can cook and he made us this nice meal and he made us laugh, right? Yeah. And so that was nice. And he's sticking around. He's not just quitting. They thought he would just quit and they thought... You know, he wasn't a true warrior, but once he stuck with it, they started to have more respect for him. Yeah, I think there's merit in them initially rejecting somebody who literally fell into this position. Yeah. Like, from a rocket chair. Yeah. Or a firework-propelled chair fell into destiny. Yeah, they were thinking, you know, I've been training to do this for years, and you just waltz in here and take the title away from me. That would feel pretty shitty. Yeah, definitely. But what I think is important is that his heroes and his master, everyone who he really looks up to and cares about their opinion, are full of resentment toward him from Mm -hmm. the second he shows up. It's really hard to fight against that. And they're the ones who are fat shaming him. And we, like I said, we know how good Poe is as like a person. And so when he's fat shamed, it's always in a context that we're supposed to not feel good about it. I agree. Yeah, it, it it's not necessary. I mean, it's a weird balance, right? Where a lot of the mm. jokes are just these tired, fat shamey jokes. They are. They are based on him being fat. Yeah. yeah. It's not just the characters that are fat shaming him. It's also actions around him and the things he does Mm -hmm. that are played for laughs because of his size. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's a lot of classic physical comedy that, you know, might feel dated, but it has been around for a long time. Yeah. And it's, it's like they're calling back to film tradition and stuff and. Right. Yeah. It's just, so there's a lot of cheap jokes about his size. Mm hmm. It's not great, but yeah. So let's talk about the other side of the coin, because we mentioned that Master Ugwe perpetuates this message throughout the film that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. He just emulates that in the way he just always believes in Poe from the start. He says there's no accidents. Right. He's going to be the dragon warrior. He believes that he's capable of it the whole time. He doesn't care what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, He believes that he will be able to step up and do it with the proper training. And he trusts in the universe to show the way, I guess. (laughs) But 
he also props up Poe. He kind of tells him that he can believe in himself and like no matter what he does, like if he acts with integrity and follows his dreams, then he can't go wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. There's also a scene where after all of Poe's heroes have finished abusing him for the day. (laughs) Literally emotional and physical abuse. He is really stressed out and disturbed by the experience, despite having a very good attitude toward it all. He eats when he's upset, and that's a real thing, right? Stress eating. Yes. Comforting. I do that. Yeah. We (laughs) all do it. With something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that part's very relatable. I do it with chocolate myself. Nice. Yeah. I find it interesting that the film finds a way to make that something of an empowerment message. Yeah. In in the end, that it is his stress eating that unveils the fact that he actually is a fairly agile panda. And we will get, we will definitely delve into that. But first, what, what is he stress eating, Jack? Oh, uh, yeah, one of the gags. Master Ugwe comes up upon him. He says, oh, I see you found the sacred peach tree of heavenly wisdom. And Poe turns around and goes, oh, and his <laughs> mouth is full of like five and he's holding a bunch of them in his oh, arms. Boy. I didn't know it was a sacred peach tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's but good. That's great because. It uh, was cute. It was cute. Ugwe talks with him and consoles him in that scene. And then when he's leaving, Ugwe taps the tree with his stick and makes a peach fall right into Poe's hand, right? Yeah. Later in the film, Ugwe is there when Shifu comes to tell him that Tai Lung has escaped from prison. Yeah. And he's like, we need someone to help. And Master Ugwe goes, well, the dragon warrior can do it. And he goes, Poe, like the panda? He can't do it. And he's giving him this speech about control. Yes. And they start talking about Poe. While talking about a peach, and a peach is a metaphor for Poe as the dragon warrior. He is a peach. And a peach is big, round, and soft, and sweet, right? Like he is. It contains a seed that has the potential to grow into a tree. Yes. And what is a peach tree? (laughs) And what is a tree but something that collects the energy of the sun and the sun, which provides warmth? Sorry, the metaphor is running away. (laughs) So you're saying that Poe is a Christ metaphor? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, uh, C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, a peach is a perfect metaphor for Poe. And they're celebrating that. I just yeah. think that's a great example of... It is. That's clever. I also celebrating like... Celebrating him. Master Ugwe is probably the best character, right? I mean, I yes. really like yes. how he really embodies the concept of flow like water. He's kind of just like nothing gets to him. He doesn't care that Poe's eating off the sacred tree. Yeah. And, I mean, it's Master Ugwe who has created the dragon scroll, right? Yeah. Yeah. The blank scroll we find out at the end because, you know, the knowledge that he could write doesn't really matter. It's something that you have to find in yourself. Enlightenment and wisdom and tenacity are internal qualities. They're not things that you get from external sources necessarily. Also, it highlights the importance of personal autonomy, responsibility, and style. Like if you're, it's Kung Fu, you can learn all of the forms and certain styles, but then you got to bring your own panache to it. Yeah. And um, Poe kind of realizes that in the end, it was actually his father that helped him unlock the riddle. That's right. The secret ingredient to the secret ingredient soup. Is nothing. Yes. Right. He says to make something special, you just have to believe it's special. I did like that part. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the what, placebo effect is real yeah <laughs> and that's what helped poe understand the blank scroll it reminded me of those studies just the thing about the, the secret recipe soup that doesn't have any secret recipe reminded me of like the studies where they might have somebody like drink two wines but it's really just one wine and one has a fancy label and one doesn't and people think that the fancy label one tastes better right (laughs) yeah exactly there's a psychological effect that it has on people it's true i just loved master i want to go on a tangent i just loved master 
Uguay's nuggets of wisdom. There's another one that I really liked. One often meets their destiny on the road. They seek to avoid it. I like that one too. I mean, and that is a common theme throughout. I mean, going back to in the West, like Greek yeah. tragedies and yeah. you know, the story of Oedipus and everything. If you try to avoid destiny, it's probably going <laughs> you accidentally to accidentally fuck your mom. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> What could you do? It was destiny. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's this repeating theme throughout storytelling yeah. that those who try to avoid their fate will inevitably run face first into it. Yeah. And Ugwe literally has premonitions of the future. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugwe. I forget that part. He, well, he's the one who says that he had a vision that Tai Lung is going to escape from prison. Right. Which is pretty hype. Didn't he also say the dragon warrior will bring peace to the valley and to Master Shifu? Yes, he did say that. Very hype. Oh, and real quick for the listeners. Uh, Master Ugwe translates to Master Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. And Master Shifu translates to Master, master. <laughs> Very hype. Sort of Poe mean panda? I don't know. <laughs> but those two I just thought were awesome. Yeah. But Ugwe <laughs> is so great throughout the whole thing. He really is. Yeah. yeah. And Poe is following his dreams. Yes. He works with his father in a noodle shop. His father has ideas for what's going to be in Poe's future. Like with the noodle dream, He Poe po lies about having a noodle dream when he was really dreaming about being a kung fu master. Oh, sorry, Dad, it was just, it was a wet dream, not a uh, kung fu dream. <laughs> a wet noodle dream. Was it oh. a broth? Was it broth why it was wet? No, Dan. What the- <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he is proud of Poe because his dad thinks that He's going to be a master noodle man. I thought that part was sad, actually. It was kind of sad. It was sad. Because his dad is proud of him. And we get this kind of taste of how, you know, Poe doesn't realize that his father is not his biological father. Yeah. Because his dad is a duck and Poe is a... Panda. Exactly. Um... (laughs) His father, his passion is noodles. He's I a, respect that. He's a noodle man. and <laughs> Through and through. Yeah. He, Broth runs through his veins. Yes. That's right. Um, and he wants to have that connection with his son. I know. I That part is really sad to Yeah, me. you can feel for the father, but you can also feel for Poe because... Oh, absolutely. Running the noodle shop... Not just his hurts his soul. His passion is kung fu, and as as much as he thinks, and he wants to follow his dreams. He doesn't want to live his life for somebody else. The sad thing is, though, Poe's a really good cook too. He yeah. could run a probably a very successful noodle house. Well, also, can... I would watch that movie. Yes, yes. Um, he can make noodles for his friends at least yeah but i I was gonna say that's one of the scenes that i really like was the bonding over food scene yeah i like because that's kind of a philosophy that i've ascribed to that you can have you know really meaningful connections with people over food sharing food yes yeah things like that but i i do like the message that you know it's important to follow your dreams and you shouldn't live your life Just for other people's expectations of what you you should be. You need autonomy and you need the opportunity to grow outside of whatever box you might have been born into. And his father is supportive of it. Even though he misses Poe, he's proud of what he's accomplished in the end. He's mm-hmm. disappointed, but I mean, that's understandable. He but, doesn't try to pressure him. He he will kind of like come back and be like, oh, the Kung Fu thing's not working out. Well, 
We got noodles. I know, and he seemed so happy to have him back. That part was sad too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in our next noodle shop, we can have a kitchen you can actually stand up in. Yeah. <laughs> How about you like that? And yeah. then he sees that Poe's disappointed. He was trying to be nice to Poe, yeah, give him something sad. to look forward to. Uh, but in the end, he's bragging to everybody that his son is the dragon warrior. Yeah. yeah. And he's proud of him, and they hug, and it's cute. Yeah, pretty hype. I like the fake out where we think we're going to find out how the father adopted Poe, but no, Poe doesn't realize that uh, they don't have any biological connection. And that's fine. Yeah. He goes, you know, dad, sometimes I I can't believe I'm actually your son. And his dad just puts his hand to his chest like, whoa. And he says, I have have to tell tell you you a secret. (laughs) There's no secret ingredient. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty That was a good fake out. It was really good. Yeah. But I do want to touch a bit more on food. Oh, I would love to. That's important, especially with how Master Shifu reaches Poe. Yes. So we get a scene where after Ugwe has came... After his time came. Excuse me? After his time has come. And he turns into tree cum. Yes. And blows away on the wind. He turned into petals, okay? That was part of him coming. Yeah, <laughs> at least he didn't turn into a fine golden mist like oh, Tai Long. I'm just, his time is coming, so he came. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> just like the Bible said, he has come. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So he's gone. Ugwe is gone. He's come and gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a lot of our listeners, am I right? Oh. They came and went to our Patreon That's at Swords and Satire. <laughs> <laughs> Falling right into our trap again there, listeners. <laughs> Sorry for all this cum in your ears. <laughs> But anyway, Master Uguay is gone, and uh, no one is... The Furious Five has run away to go face Tai Lung themselves, and Poe is... Well, he's run. He's trying to run away because he's terrified of the idea that he's going to have to face Tai Lung, this legendary massacrist by himself. Yeah. Right. Uh, mass murderer. Single tight or single... Snow leopard. Single leopard murder machine. Yes. And uh, so he tries to run away and Shifu says, no, we need you to beat him. Because you have never been encouraging to me. You don't think I can beat him. He says, yeah, well, now you're our only hope. So I have to believe in you, right? Yeah. He says, all right, well, how, uh, you know, in Poe, he's really down on himself. He's like, the reason I stick around when you guys abuse the shit out of me <laughs> yeah, is because it's easier to receive the punishment that you deal out than it is for me to be myself back home. Aww. Not trying to pursue my dreams, yeah. right? Yeah, he really, really wants this job. And by job, I mean to be the best kung fu master. Yeah. yeah. And he basically says to Shifu, how are you going to turn me into the dragon warrior? And Shifu... Can't answer. Yeah. Right? It's a pretty bummer moment, right? Where he says, I don't know. It's the low moment, the dark night of the soul in the movie. And so the next day, naturally, Poe is pretty distraught. Yeah. And he's been stress eating all night. (laughs) Yes. He's still at the Jade Palace. And uh, Shifu hears some strange noises. Some scuffling in the kitchen. Yeah, he goes to find him. He sees Poe has just punched through a bunch of cupboards to break into the food cabinet. Why didn't he open them? It's like when you punch a wall when you're mad, I figure, is what it is. Or when you're sad? Or when you're sad. Anyway... Maybe also could. don't do that. That's that's not a good sign. That is a sign of self harm. That is. But what Master Shifu sees is actually the devastation that Poe can cause when he has a mind to. Yes. And he's like, maybe there is a a seed inside of him after all. Yeah, he, a pitch reali- pit. <laughs> yes, I'm beginning to realize how troubling this scene is. Yeah. Well, uh, 
Well, yeah, I mean, he's really upset. This is his low point, right? Yeah. And then uh, Shifu tricks him. He's like, oh, you know, there's some cookies hidden on the top shelf. He leaves. And like three seconds later, Poe is 10 feet up off the ground doing the splits, right? Yeah, something and, he couldn't do before. Yeah, something we saw him fail at doing. And uh, Shifu's like, oh, my God, <laughs> right? He points it out to him. He's like, look at what you're doing, you know? Yeah, and then when he calls attention to it, Poe messes it up. But the seed of hope is there. The the peach pit, like you said, <laughs> yeah. of hope. And so then Shifu understands how to reach him. And I read that as, like, sometimes a teacher needs to find a different approach to reach a student that will speak to their personality their way of learning. Absolutely. And I so, think that's one of the really good messages of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there are a few ways we can read into this, right? Using one's trauma to, like, overcome the obstacles they've been facing, right? Yeah. Facing your fears, facing your traumas. Yeah. He also takes Poe to a sacred place, the birthplace of Kung Fu. That's right. And gives him that sense of being connected to other warriors and masters. Yes. And that's something that can connect him to a community and make him feel like he belongs. If you feel like you somebody believes in you and like you belong, it goes a long way to motivating you to try. Absolutely. It's true. And he, again, he's motivating Poe with food, which is like his stress thing. <laughs> and, uh... It's, you know, it's one form of motivation, but the best part, I think, and it's sort of a funny gag, but I think it's a good moment, is like the final scene where he's like, all right, I trained you, you can eat now. And then uh, he keeps like stealing the food away right. from him. So they have this la uh, this epic fight scene for a single dumpling. <laughs> Poe is like, I thought you said I could eat. And Master Shifu is like, I said you can can you take it away from me? Yeah, and, yeah. and then Poe's like, okay, I see your yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're free to eat. Am I? Are you? <laughs> yeah. Am you? Yeah. Are I? Yeah. <laughs> there are some pretty hype moments in that fight scene, like when Shifu's jumping up to get the dumpling and Poe catches him by the leg with the chopsticks oh, and yeah. pulls him down. Yeah. I like the uh, <laughs> chopstick like through the dumpling, sticking it to the tree. Yeah. The all of the action scenes were pretty compelling and engrossing. Yeah. yeah, it's a good mix of action and physical comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's animated, so they can do some cool stuff with it. It was do. animated. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the great part about how this scene ties into the food—they're fighting over the dumpling. But Poe wins the fight against his master, Shifu, right? Yeah. And he ends up with the dumpling and Shifu gestures like, you got it. It's yours. And then when he, his hand is out gestured like that, he opens his eyes when the dumpling falls into his hand. And he looks at Poe and Poe says, I'm not hungry, right? I thought that was great. It's showing that he like overcame that stress eating thing through hard work. He's beginning to feel proud of himself and accomplished. Once he's following his dream and he's actually on the path and he feels like he's gaining accomplishments like you guys are talking about, he doesn't necessarily need that source of comfort anymore. Right. Because he's finding comfort in other things. Yeah. We get some good character growth there. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I think it's a good message. Yeah. yeah. There's also a great gag. Like mm -hmm. we, we were saying about how earlier, Jamie, you mentioned... The way that food being a motivator helps him in the final fight. Yeah. There's a scene where the dragon scroll is stuck on some, like, decorations on the outside of a building, like, 50 feet, 100 feet up off the ground. Right. And Poe knows he has to climb up to it before Tai Lung gets to it. And so he flexes his mind and he visualizes it as a cookie and starts doing all these crazy flips and parkour up to it, which is kind of goofy. But then Tai Lung sees him doing all these flips up to the scroll. He goes, the scroll is giving him power. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I like that. <laughs> that was so good. Of course, the audience, we know the scroll doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so... I love that part. I did laugh. I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like scrambling up. And yeah. Like, 
I did like how he basically um, defeated Tai Lung with the power of silliness. Yeah, because Tai Lung is effectively maximum edginess. Yeah. Dark, dark fallen hero. <laughs> and then Poe is just like, oh, goofy guy. <laughs> I really felt like Poe was the embodiment of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the like landscape of media commentary, that's Tai Lung, like serious media commentary. And we are Poe. <laughs> We're the PP Pope. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be the popo. No. But, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Tai Lung, because we've mentioned him a lot. But I, was, we I was just about to say, I, I thought yeah. they did a good job of creating a compelling villain with an interesting backstory in a very short amount of time. Because yeah. Tai Lung is not on screen very much. When he is, though, we're getting a lot of his personality, his cockiness, his self-assuredness. I mean... He is, like, to me, a very classic kung fu movie villain. Yeah. But with a more interesting kind of fallen hero backstory, like you said. He was Shifu's, like, prize student. And we get this interesting backstory about Shifu and Tai Lung's relationship, how Shifu raised him. He found him as an infant. Yeah. He, he raised him to be a warrior. And they had a, like, a close relationship. Yeah. And and it really ended up, when they had the split, it broke Shifu's heart and made him unable to kind of feel joy with his future students. And we get really a big juxtaposition between Shifu's relationship with Tai Lung as a younger student and his current relationship with Tigress, where he's just pushing her. So we get to see this parting of the ways from two different perspectives in the beginning we get it from shifu's perspective and it seemed like tai lung just flies into a rage because he can't have this thing that will unlock his power that might have been part of it but when we get it from tai lung's perspective later in the movie he felt betrayed by his father figure right he said that master shifu Raised him to be the Dragon Warrior. He promised him things that he had no place to promise him. Right. And Tai Lung, that's not Tai Lung's fault. No. So he was kind of boosted and led to believe that he would be named as the Dragon Warrior. And he kind of started to see it as his right. And it's not his fault that Master Shifu didn't instill the proper wisdom along with the training right. for him. And he felt like when Master Shifu didn't stand up for Tai Lung in that confrontation with Master Uguay, he felt like he was abandoned. Right. And that that's very understandable. Yeah, it makes for a compelling villain. Yeah. I mean it Plus it's Ian McShane, so it kind of like the first side of it made it seem like Tai Lung desired power and glory over peace and prosperity. But I think when we get it from Tai Lung's perspective, it's more like he wanted acknowledgement from his father figure. And it, he felt like it was denied him at the last moment. Right. When he was about to kind of graduate from the role of student. And it's like his right... He kind right, of had the rug pulled out from under Yeah, him. his right to be named as a master was taken away from him. And he didn't understand why. Nobody ever explained it to him. Right. Yeah, it would be tough. They just could, rejected him and, and imprisoned him. You could see where somebody might become a uh, homicidal maniac <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. And we see in several fights, well, there's the entire Zhorgong prison built just to keep him in. 10,000 guards, one prisoner, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is he's a little dangerous. Yeah, he's a lot dangerous. He gets out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, killing them all, basically. With a feather. <laughs> With a feather. And, uh, it's pretty intense. But we also see him down the line, 1v5, the Furious Five. <laughs> yep. He fights them, and they win for the most part, but not enough. <laughs> Yeah. Because no. he comes back and he uses a special nerve attack that we saw Uguay defeat him with. And he says, oh, yeah, Shifu taught you guys really well, but he didn't teach you everything, yeah. right? And it, 
it really shows that like Shifu lost a lot of trust in teaching certain like things he considers dangerous. Right. Good point. Because that was the only thing that could defeat Tai Lung. You think he would have taught it to the Furious Five, but but he didn't trust them to have the restraint to only use it against the right foes. Because Tai Lung uses this sort of thing against anyone sure. who is around him when he's angry, apparently. Yeah. It's the winning move. Of course he's going to use it. Yeah. So he does abuse that power. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. In the end, I don't know if it's fair that he was just turned into dust, you know? Murdered. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I thought that- You think that's a bit of a harsh t- sentence? I think that- I At first, I thought that was just energy- that Poe released that would have maybe paralyzed Tai Lung and allowed them to maybe capture him, you know, so that he didn't hurt any of the villagers. But, like, as time went on, they're not showing him, they're not showing him, they're not showing him. And then he's just gone, and they just show this golden mist. I'm like, holy shit, he's dead. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, there could also have been, like, a cutscene. The Wuxi finger hold sends them... Directly to the afterlife. That's killing someone, isn't it? <laughs> he has attained nirvana. Like, no! He's dead. I was pretty taken aback by that, I yeah. gotta be honest. The implication of that final shot is haunting. But he says skadoosh when he does it. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a scene. With Tai Lung and Master Shifu, they have a fight scene. Father figure and son, right? Yeah. Where they fight, and they're they're effectively fighting. Tai Lung is totally willing to kill Master Shifu. He's planning on it. Yeah. Yeah. And Shifu uh, straight up says, like, I don't have it in me to kill him. Yeah. So I'm just slowing him down, right? Right. It's so sad when Tai Lung is lunging for them in the backstory and when master shifu was like supposed to stop him and he couldn't back in the first confrontation before tai lung was imprisoned he sees tai lung lunging for him and then sees him as a little cub right. and that's why that's he why can't he... stop him and that was so sad yeah <laughs> oh my god how could he destroy what he created right yeah, yeah. And, uh, so in this fight scene, when they're both adults, uh, Tai Lung has basically won the fight because Shifu is too weak after taking a beating. Yeah. And he, uh, Shifu apologizes to Tai Lung, saying, I'm sorry I put all my expectations on you, and I, I basically am responsible for what, all the bad stuff that happened, right? right? He was ta- yeah. putting it on himself, and he was saying... I'm sorry. And, uh... I'm sorry I have to send Poe to turn you into a fine dust. Well, yeah. that almost seems like it gets through to Tai Lung for a moment. Yeah, there are a few moments where Tai Lung is really moved by it. But, uh, you know... It's all the trauma of all the 20 years of being imprisoned, and he doesn't really understand why. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. He He's basically rejected. clueless. And so, it's... All that rage from the trauma of that, and he can't get past it. No. He goes, I don't want your apology, I want the scroll. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tai Lung is understandably over any kind of making of amends. And then Poe comes and bounces him on his belly and sits on his head and (laughs) whips him with a noodle, and then he hits him with a pan, and then he hits him with a firework, and then Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, God. And then he blows him up. (laughs) Jesus. With two fingers. (laughs) You know what happens when I flex my pinky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Jesus. And at the end, uh, Master Shifu is content. He's found peace in Poe committing homicide against his former son child. Figure. Yeah. If any listeners want to do a fan art of uh, what Tai Lung with Joker makeup with the quote, "I thought my life was a tragedy. It turns out it's a comedy." Oh boy! <laughs> Go for it. I encourage it. <laughs> wow. Well, guys, 
I don't want to capstone this with another downer, but it's time. We got to talk about it because right here in my notes, I've got this important note cast so white. Yes, it's true. It is very white cast. I think that there is plenty of space in filmmaking for homage and, you know, building off of genres that you love. I mean, if people really love Kung Fu movies, I think that making a fun animated kids Kung Fu movie is totally fine. Yeah. But the ratio of actors... This is a fantasy, okay? It's a fantasy movie with animals playing the parts of anthropomorphic characters. But all of the imagery is very much rooted in a specific culture. They Mm -hmm. literally say they are in China. Exactly. This is not like a fantastical Eastern pastiche in a fantasy world. They are in China. This film takes place in a real world country. And the vast majority of the actors are of European descent. Yeah. There's a handful of Asian actors. We've got Lucy Liu. We've got Jackie Chan in a surprisingly small role. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Part of it was like, why isn't Jackie Chan like playing Poe or Shifu or someone like that? Yeah. I mean, it could have just been a timing thing because Jackie has very few lines in the entire film. I wonder why they did that. Another great actor I want to point out from this, one of my absolute favorites, James Hong from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Every time I hear his voice, I'm like, oh, awesome. Yes. I'm so stoked. I love it. Plays covered his shin in Diablo 3, one of my favorite Mm -hmm. characters. But yeah, I mean, we've got Jack Black, Dustin Hoffman, Ian McShane, all actors that I like. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Seth Rogen. Yeah, Seth Rogen, a person who. I have never had my voice compared to ever at any time <laughs> in history <laughs> when I'm calling a vet or talking to my own family. Yes. <laughs> but it's white. It's a very white cast. And again, I think that people should be able to make the films they want to make and everything. And I understand how casting is very much a popularity contest. Well, you know, they tried to call some more Asian actors to be in the film once, and they didn't pick up. And so, you know, they figured they tried their best. (laughs) You had me going for a second. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) I'm just dabbing on them. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I, I think that, you know, no matter your perspective, this film could have used a higher proportion of Asian actors in, like, the major roles. I agree. One thing I think is troubling with this is until, like, very recently, I feel like Asian people in popular media have been extremely ignored. Excluded. Excluded. From stories that should be uh, highlighting them or boosting their voices. Right. Asian culture not ignored. Asian people ignored. Yes. It's a big problem. And Many films have used the imagery of Eastern religion and philosophy and culture and martial arts with completely white casts. I know. Or, Or, you know, a token actor. I feel like a recent movie that's kind of breaking this mold, this terribly racist mold, is Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. I was thinking about that movie a lot while we were watching Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. I was happy, pleasantly surprised that they didn't fuck up and they cast Asian actors for most of the roles. Right. For a story that highlights... um, it's fantastical, but it, it highlights aspects of various Asian cultures. Right. And so I feel like you have to have that representation, you know? And I think that's the important thing, is that representation really matters. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's appropriation. You don't want to take bits of somebody's culture that you find appealing, but ignore the people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like I said, I think homage is totally fine, but this movie really goes kind of a step beyond by actually setting the story in China with a mostly white cast, white directors, all of that. Right. It's I, complicated. I would like to think exactly with stuff like Shang-Chi, Crazy Rich Asians, thing uh, like uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. There is an established like network of Asian actors who are making sure to get representation and support each other so that this sort of whitewashing of an Asian film won't happen again. I hope so. Because you want to have representation, as Jamie's mentioning, in the production crew, too. The writers, directors, you know. It's true. And... You know, there is increasing representation of other minority groups that have yeah. been oppressed in the past, which is great. But we've oppressed Asians a lot, too, in America. It's good to represent them. Not a great history that we have in this country. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to emphasize, I don't think anyone should not enjoy this film in particular yeah. for these purposes. But I would certainly like to see more of the trend that we're seeing today rather than this, you know, thing going back to, you know, even just as soon as 2008 when this movie was made. And yeah, it's whoever, if anybody thought twice about it, they didn't get a chance to make much of a change in the casting and stuff. So, and we're in a position now where we can look back and critique it. And it's good to talk about it so that we hopefully make sure that it doesn't go back to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was light and uplifting. Yeah. Why don't we head into the smithy? Welcome to the Smithy, where we forge a rating for this movie after we each share an epic moment or feature from the film. Jack, do you want to start off by giving us your epic moment or feature, and then your rating from 1 to 10, Swords of Destiny so sharp that even looking at them can cut you? Ow. Even thinking about it can cut me. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I do. I suppose I'm going to have to give my epic moment or feature to the final fight with Tai Lung. Ah, very nice. Nice. Now, I know we mentioned it's a little troubling, considering the sympathetic character, we laugh while he's being killed. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. Thanks, kids movie. But, uh, it's really fun. It has a lot of callbacks to earlier scenes in the movie. Yeah. With like the chopstick hidden bowl game they played earlier. Poe does that while on stilts using frying pans. We get the firework callback where he's on a cart back to the chair. Stuff like that. A callback where he visualizes the almond cookies, which is how he originally found out that he had innate talent, right? Yeah. There were just a lot of callbacks like that. And most importantly, Poe has figured out what it means to be the dragon warrior at this point in the film. And so even though he's scared of Tai Lung and in a very dangerous situation, he's having a great time. And he (laughs) knows he's badass. Yeah, he's using what he's learned. It's true. He's not like other warriors, but he can be a good warrior in himself if he just embraces his own quirkiness. It's true. All of his actions are an extension of who he is. And yeah. it helps him win the fight. And I just think that's so cool. And that's why I love Kung Fu movies. Because it combines... Or just martial arts movies. Because it combines fun action scenes and battle of philosophies at the same time. And the final fight was just awesome. It was fun. It was... Like, good-hearted, just the way Poe is. And it ended up being really empowering, I think. And he uses his size to help him win the fight. He uses it like a weapon. I think it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea about, like, using your natural talents. Yeah. 
And so I, I just thought it was very positive. I like I like the positivity a lot. Yeah. So there's that. Epic very nice. Fe- epic feature moment. <laughs> and uh oh, I've seen this movie like 30 times. Wow. I really like this movie. Master Ugwe is w- one of my heroes, you know, he's a good turtle. Don't take my <laughs> epic feature. I won't. <laughs> just a shout out. And uh I you know I think it's a good influence film, good for kids, and, uh, you know, I've been seeing it for years, so I guess looking at all of it, I'm probably going to give it 10 out of 10. Wow. Wow. It's got problems, but this is one of the Jack, you know, fundamental films. Nice. And it was my idea to watch it. <laughs> it was your idea yeah. to watch it. And I still want to see it again, so, yeah. you know, I like it a lot. If there's more problems with it, I'm I'm currently blind to them. That's fine. Yeah, so 10 out of 10 from Jackie Boy. Nice. That's pretty solid. How about you, Chelsea? What's your epic moment or feature? And then your rating in 1 to 10 sword so sharp they'll cut you just by looking at them. My epic feature is Master Uguay. Of course. Yeah! He's just so calm and collected, he just bleeds tranquility. <laughs> and that sounds painful, yet also enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> Pain and enlightenment. He's encouraging to all around him. He just seems like a swell guy. And I think we could all use a master Ugwe um, in our lives. Yeah, I don't disagree. So I just wanted to highlight him. Um, he goes with the flow, you know? Yes. And that's good. I look up to that. The animation is amazing. It's beautiful. And even with the fat shaming stuff, it's fun. There were a lot of funny moments. Yeah. And it had a lot of good messages like we've talked about. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 Swords of Destiny so sharp. They will cut you just by looking at them. I think it's it's a great film, and it's high up there for me, too. What about you, Jamie? What's your epic moment or feature and your rating out of 1 to 10 Swords of Destiny so sharp it'll cut you just by looking at it? Yes, Jamie. Please tell us, Jamie. Well, I'm glad you asked. My epic moment is the very beginning of the film. Yes. Poe's dream, which is done in this incredibly cool like scroll painting style that I was, I'm going to admit a little disappointed that the entire movie didn't look like it. Yeah. The movie looks good. I I personally think the animation has aged a little bit. No, not super well. That's fine. Some of the details aren't very crisp, but I'm really just nitpicking as far as that goes. I just really loved that scroll style animation in the beginning. It was really had a lot of character and personality. I really liked the kind of brushstroke look to it. I thought it was really dramatic, and I liked the kind of hand-painted look. It was kind of a cool mix of film noir and kung fu. Yeah, (laughs) I really dug that. Yeah. But yeah, so the intro is also was fun to me because... I didn't know anything about this movie going into it other than the fact that it was about a panda who did kung fu. Yeah. So when it cuts and we find out that that's Poe's dream and he's like a teenager in kind of a messy room with like posters and toys all over the place. Yeah. I was not expecting that. And I was like, oh, this is really funny. Yeah. Like that was a nice swerve. I enjoyed that. Because I didn't know anything about his character, anything about the film. I didn't know what the animation style of the main film was and so it was jarring for me too not like jarring but it was a surprise yeah and i I thought that was fun so yeah really like that intro that's my moment nice as far as the rating i think i'm gonna give this movie seven and a half swords of destiny so sharp that they'll cut you just by looking at them (laughs) it is a very fun film i am a huge fan of kung fu movies And of comedy martial arts films. I grew up loving Jackie Chan movies, going to every Jet Li movie that came out in the theaters, 
you know, martial arts films I absolutely adore. And I think this movie does so much to, like, build on that in a fun way for a younger audience. I really enjoyed that. The handful of issues that we've already discussed, which we've belabored at this point, I'm not going to go on about them here, but those brought the rating down a little bit. But overall, it was a lot of fun. Really fun movie to watch. Holds up for an adult audience, I think. Yeah. Because the action's good, and you can, some of the humor really still works. You can also get more out of the messages than you might when you're younger. Yeah. yeah. So, Seven and a Half Swords. That's my final rating. That's fair. Yeah. And on that note, I think that pretty much does it for us here at Swords and Satire. As always, if you enjoyed the show, you can head to social media and follow us at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can keep up with our episodes, see what we're watching next, look at our memes, get a laugh, send me a message. Let's have a chat about movies. Yeah, you can give us your hot takes about the movies we watch. Just throw those hot takes right into my eyeballs. (laughs) I'll wear goggles. Right. And we promise not to let it get to our heart holes. And like we mentioned earlier, if you have the means, you could head over to patreon.com slash swords and satire to become a supporter of the show. Select one of the tiers we have available and gain access to exclusive art and episodes. And you could vote on the movies we watch each month. We would appreciate it. It's true. But if you don't have a few extra coins to toss the way of your favorite podcasters, (laughs) then why not tell your friends and family about Swords and Satire? One of the best ways you can support the show is by spreading the word about our show. And if you watch the movies and listen to the episodes with your friends, you can all talk about it. And come up with your own hot takes, like we said. Send them our way. And another thing, you're special, listener. You're the satire warrior. (laughs) Yes! That's great. I didn't know we were going to tell them today. (laughs) Yes. What an epic moment. They've earned it. You had it inside of you all along. Way to go, listener. (laughs) Well, until next time, Hail Hail Crom. Crom!